0: Today on Citycast Denver, Happy Earth Day! Me, Paul, Peyton, and Lizzie are talking about climate wins and fails in honor of our big blue and green space marble. Today is Friday, April twenty second, twenty twenty two. I'm Alexandra McMahon, and this is Citycast Denver. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city that deep down does love the earth. I'd like to think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all about the outdoors here in Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. So I would like to think that the people of this city love the earth, even though sometimes we do things that hurt the earth. But that's what we're talking about today. It's Earth Day. Happy Earth Day to those who... Uh, to those who celebrate, I don't know. Um, Thank
1: you, Alexander. Happy Earth Day to you.
0: Who's out there denying Earth Day? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe some people like to celebrate privately. I don't, what, however, you like to celebrate. Is, is there a
1: flat Earth Day? Do you all know?
0: Oh, I God. bet you that. yeah,
1: oh, That's I a know. different thing. That's a different conversation.
0: Well, as you can hear, the whole whole team's here. Whole gang's here from CityCast Denver. Except well, actually, Brie. no, I'm sorry. Minus Bree. Sorry, Bree. <laughs> sorry, Bree. Bree <laughs> will
1: be back next week.
0: She will. She will. She's getting some time off. Some good rest. Producer Paul Caroli is here.
1: Hi. Thank you, Alexandra.
0: We've also got newsletter writer Peyton Garcia. Sup. And making her Friday chat debut, at least on CityCast Denver. You've been on other CityCasts for their Friday roundtables. Yeah. Producer Lizzie Goldsmith.
2: Hi, good to be here.
0: Well, I guess maybe that's not fully true because last summer I you did a board game. I did you how game. to play a game, yes, yes. but
2: I, I was there for the whole episode. Can- Canouche Is that what it was? Canoosh. Canoosh. I, was I still remember day. that. That pronunciation's yep. seared into my brain. <laughs> <laughs> brain.
0: Loyal listeners might remember that board game, that episode. All right, well, let's just jump right into it because we've got a lot to go over today because what we're doing is we're doing climate wins and climate fails in honor of Earth Day. Uh, So everybody here brought one win, one fail. Um, I think we're kind of keeping that definition loose of what a win and fail is, but listener, I'm sure you can connect the dots. Well, so that we don't end on a bummer note in this show, let's start with the fails. Let's go over the bad stuff. Um, And Lizzie, I'm going to start with you. What is your climate fail that you've brought to us?
2: Yeah, so I know we've talked about air quality on the podcast recently and that, uh, you know, reclassification to severe. Um, And as someone who is from California, where basically I I see the writing on the wall, right, with it here, you know, like bad air quality there, bad, you know, like fires. And just like, you know, there are some grass fires in Boulder this week and, you know, there's fire season is all the time now and air quality may not look very bad right now when you step outside but you know if you've been here the last couple years you sort of know what's coming and so i'm just i'm just that it was the first thing that came to mind and what i just had to stick with for my fail Hmm.
1: lizzie do you remember what what was it like growing up with fires
2: yeah. So I, I surprisingly didn't have to evacuate as much as I would have thought, um, considering I was in a very high fire danger area, but yeah, I mean, recently my parents almost lost their house and gro- growing up. It was always a thing, you know, we had our kind of fire kit ready to go and, hmm. um, you know, it was always very hot temperatures, but there were those days where you didn't want to go outside. And,
0: and I, f- I feel like California is kind of, like, ahead of the curve when it comes to, like, dealing with bad air quality. Because I feel like it's been dealing with bad air quality maybe the longest. Like, we're mm-hmm. we're starting to come to terms with that. And, like, I remember on Monday's show when we had Sam Brash on, he was talking about how with these new requirements for the front range, we're going to have to start selling this cleaner burning Fuel like cleaner burning gas at the gas pump, and he was saying mm. that California has already been doing that mm. for for many years. I think so. Yeah, it's though I am from far
2: north, far northern California, where okay. it's maybe you know we have a lot of the same systems in place, but people aren't always as gung ho about them as maybe they would be mm. in oh. more progressive parts of the state. Interesting. Okay. So there is there is that factor. So. All right.
0: Well, yeah, I think we can all agree that is a definitely a big fail.
1: Major fail. Major mm. fail.
0: Yeah. Um, Paul, what's your fail?
1: Uh, Okay, well, this is something that I learned this week. Um, I didn't realize that Denver is really, really bad at recycling. Um, So there was an announcement earlier this week from the City of Denver's Climate Office about this, and we might talk about that later, that like, what we're doing about it part. But the problem itself seems quite dire. Um, Here's a a quote from Grace Rink, Denver's chief climate officer, from a statement announcing this new recycling program describing the issues. Um, She says, through focused efforts over the last 10 years, Denver has been able to increase its diversion rate, which is the amount of material diverted from the landfill to recycling or compost, from 13% in 2010 to 26% in 2020. which sounds like huge progress but the national average is 34%. So Denver is is used to be way behind. Now we're only way behind. <laughs> and apparently that rate is is stagnant also. So, I mean, they have yeah. some new ideas about what to do about this. But I didn't know what, we were so bad at this, and I want to know why. Why is Denver particularly so bad? And not at even cycling? just
3: Denver. Colorado's bad too. I mean, Colorado's diversion rate is fifteen percent, or at least it was in twenty twenty, and the national average for the for states is thirty two percent. So we're at fifty percent. The rest of mm-hmm. the country. And you would think I. It shocked me because Colorado we tout ourselves as such a health-focused, health-conscious place. And I mean, in, in a lot of other regards, we are super healthy. Um, so like, why the
0: heck aren't we recycling and composting? <laughs> so w- early in my journalism career, I did yeah. a lot of these recycling and trash stories. I oh. don't know how I just somehow ended up on like the trash beat <laughs> and like CPR <laughs> would call me sometimes their resident like junior trash reporter, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Some of the, I know, it's just Put like that weird, in a weird I know, weird niche I found myself in. But so I did a lot of these stories and like went to recycling centers in Denver to kind of figure out like why why are we so behind the national average? Yeah. And I can't remember exactly what I discovered, but I do know a lot of it has to do with there not being a ton of access for residents. Like it's hard to get recycling and composting set up at home and in, you know, apartment buildings, especially a lot of people are moving to Denver, a lot of people are yeah. renting in apartments. And Also like our trap or like the recycling that we send, it's like really dirty. Like people don't know how to follow the freaking recycling rules about like mm-hmm. what to put in your huh. bin.
3: Well, yeah, I wash, I always joke that my husband makes me wash our trash because <laughs> I wash our trash before, because he's like, did you know huh. that if that has, if that yogurt container still has yogurt in it, it's just trash. Right. And I'm like, oh, because yeah, if it's contaminated,
0: they can't put it in the
3: recycling. Yeah,
0: and for, and a, a couple years ago, China actually said because the recycling, most of our recycling gets sent to China, they process it, they S- turn it into sweet. new things. Cool. Of course. Yeah, it seems right, and uh, they'll turn it into a T-shirt or whatever a carpet and send it back, and then but they were for a while saying that they were not going to accept any more of our dirty trash mm. until <laughs> we got it under a certain level yeah. because they were just like this is disgusting. You're sending us stuff that we can't use, and it's like clogging up our system. So you need to figure your stuff out. Yeah, <laughs> don't be lazy, guys. Wash your trash. So yeah, look at the go, the go on Denver's website. Look at the rules. Look at what you can put in your recycling bin don't put your greasy pizza boxes in there make Mm -hmm. sure that you know lots lots of the pizza boxes now come with that lining Mm -hmm. so it'll soak up the grease throw that away put the pizza box in the recycling anyways Mm -hmm. this is something i'm I wonder my passion's how many, coming
2: back. I wonder how many people have gotten the memo like, don't put your recycling in plastic bags and oh then my God. Oh, put yeah. it in the bin. I see that all the time at my apartment complex, yeah. which does have recycling,
0: but I'm still skeptical about it because it's just these green dumpsters that they yeah. just right. sectioned off being like, that's where the recycling goes. And I'm like, is this really going to recycling? Yeah. <laughs> you know,
3: Going back to Paul's point, though, and you said, Alexandra, like, there's a whole number of reasons why it's complicated in Denver to recycle and compost. But I'll push back and be like, a lot of other cities are doing way better than us. Yeah. I still don't yeah. know if that's the answer. It's possible because, I mean, like, I I am truly curious. Like, why are we so bad at it? Is it just are we not promoting it here? Or not? I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. When I yeah. looked
2: at the like dates of like 2010 and then like 2020 is the period they were looking at. Like, I wonder if we would have. I have no idea if, like, population growth has anything to do with it. That's a good point, too, Lizzie. Or a
1: percentage of renters if part of the problem Hmm. is these apartment buildings. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely more to dig into here. Yeah,
0: Interesting stuff. Yeah, we should do a whole trash show one day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. With our trash report? (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Thanks, Paul. Peyton, you're up next. Okay.
3: Mine's kind of a bummer.
0: Well, these are all bummers. I guess they're all, okay. They're all all fails.
3: So the UN released a climate change report earlier this month, and it was bad. Like, they're all bad, but this was, like, really bad. And um, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres, um, he spoke at length about it, and he did not mince words. The jury has reached the verdict, and it is damning. This report of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change is a litany of broken climate promises. It is a file of shame, cataloging the empty pledges that put us firmly on track towards an unlivable world. And he really called out governments from around the world that have failed to uphold their climate promises. He's like, back when you signed these accords and you made all of these promises, people are not living up to that. And he said, quote it is a file of shame cataloging the empty pledges that put us firmly on track toward an unlivable world and it's um it's harsh i mean you can go read it i read the report at un news and it's it's really depressing um he says unless we do something different uh that we can expect quote unprecedented heat waves terrifying storms widespread water shortages and the extinction of a million species of plants and animals so Basically, it was just like a harsh, harsh reminder that we're doing a real bad job at loving Mother Earth, guys. We have to do better. Um, But I will say on a bright note, the report did still say it is possible to have emissions by 2030 if governments across the world work harder to curb their carbon output. Um, And some of the recommendations from the report included electrification of transport, less meat consumption, and more financial support for poorer countries. Mm. So... Had a very don't look up tone to it yes exactly that's exactly what i thought of like <laughs> the comet's coming guys
1: major global fail
3: yeah major global fail for sure but you know i don't i don't want to leave you guys like too doom and gloom like i said they are saying that there are ways we can fix this we just have to like hike up our pants and freaking do it and one of the authors i really liked this quote that he shared he said it's not like a diet. It is a fundamental lifestyle change. It's changing what you eat, how much you eat, and get on a more active lifestyle. So, I mean, just think of the world like that. We have to take better care of it. Get on a diet. It's or not a
0: diet. A lifestyle change. The skeptic in me though is just like, mm, I know nobody's gonna do that. No, or at least the people, the important people at the top who make these decisions that will have an impact are not going to do it. Yes. But anyways, <laughs> on that <laughs> note. Um...
1: Xandra hit us with yours. Yeah, yeah, do yeah. You have yeah. A fail?
0: I do have a fail. This conservation group this week um, called American Rivers, they released their annual report. And the most endangered river in the U.S. is the Colorado River, mm. which actually I, this is the second time that that river has taken um, the top spot on this list. I think the last time it took that spot was in uh, 2013. The river is depleting because of climate change, because of this drought-driven climate change that we've been experiencing in Colorado for the last few years. And uh, I mean that affects reservoirs. That's affecting reservoirs that you know provide drinking water to millions and millions of people. Um, this is affecting agriculture. You know, farmland can't you know relies on this Colorado River. Uh, indigenous tribes in Colorado rely on this river so i mean recreation
1: this is like, it's a huge economic yeah. driver for the western slope exactly I mean, when i went to visit palisade megan and i rented a, a boat and did some some boating up and down the colorado river had a great time oh that's there was great. no water there we couldn't have done that
0: that's true did the river seem low
1: uh, I don't remember. Okay. I mean, I only saw it once. It was... uh, yeah,
0: that's fair. It's hard to like, if you're not like a river guy or like a water conservation yeah. person, you're like, I don't know. It looks fine. There's water in it. But, you know, apparently it is dangerously low levels. And um, I think the report, the report says that climate change is to blame. But also what it's to blame is bad, outdated water management practices. So Colorado just hmm. like needs to really adopt some new ways to manage it's water, it's, it's natural water. And um, I know that the indigenous tribes in Colorado for a long time have been wanting to get involved because mm-hmm. they have good water management practices and they're like, we can help you. And um, the state has just so far been like resistant to like Going to them and being like, okay, yeah, show us like your ways. But they just, I think that that needs to happen if the Colorado River is going to stay.
3: Not to mention they're the ones who rely on it.
0: Like they should have a say. They should have a say.
3: Because they need that water. 30 Native American tribes live along that that river basin. Dang. Yeah. That's a lot. Mm -hmm.
2: So. That was my fail. As we're talking about the Colorado River, I I just have to mention this book I read called The Emerald Mile, which is <laughs> it's like about the like fastest boat ride through the like entire length of the Colorado River. But there's so much like history woven in Ooh. that like I feel like I learned more about the Colorado River through reading that than I have anywhere else. So
1: the book's called The Emerald Mile. Out. The
2: Emerald Mile: The Epic Story of the Fastest Ride in History Through the Heart of the Grand Canyon is oh, the title. Exciting! Yep. Wow. Yeah. That sounds really cool. So that rounds out the fails. Um,
0: we're gonna bring you some happier climate news, some climate wins after a short break. And we're back with our Earth Day episode. We're talking climate wins, climate fails. Well, Lizzie, let's go back to you. You were that you gave us our first fail. I wanna
2: hear what your climate win is now. My climate win, yes. Let's let's try to redeem things a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. That would be great. <laughs> um, my climate win is a, a group of Denver public school students who are working for sustainability in the school. They started this group called DPS Students for Climate Action. And I believe these students, a lot of them are in other sustainability groups in the school as well. But with this group, they're sort of bringing policies for the school to adopt. So the the policies are about you know adopting clean energy technology and conserving natural resources. And um, one, one um, proposed policy is that all students would be conscientious citizens who take bold action post-graduation in the climate crisis. And so they, they do have some lofty goals for the district as well. I don't know if they're in this policy in particular, but it's 100% clean energy by 2030. 90% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. Um, and so, and, you know, there are things the district is doing. Um, you know, they have a, uh, you know, electric school bus and solar panels in 46 locations and 126 school and community gardens. So there's... Wow. Okay, so these goals that
0: they outlined to have like 100% clean energy by 2030 or something, that's like within the district? They yes. want the schools to do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is lofty. That is. But I mean, good for them. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be a pessimist. That's, no. But that's Also great. didn't know that they had an electric school bus. That's that's very cool. Mm-hmm. A magic electric school bus. <laughs> I, I
1: love the way young people are leading on yeah. the climate issue. That yeah. It's so exciting. Like the way that's happened in the last 10 years. Yeah. Young people just all across the world have taken taking a step forward. I mean, they have
3: to. They're like, that's our future. Right. Kids or grandkids
0: in this world. Like we have to do something different. And I feel like they're really our only hope left. All right. Paul, what is your climate win?
1: I had so much trouble picking just one. Really? Especially after reading Peyton's newsletter for Earth Day yesterday. (laughs) There was like so many interesting projects happening in Denver and across the state on climate. I feel like there are, are a lot of people who are who are putting their their talent and their brain power behind this problem here, and I, it's it was inspiring. It got sure. me so excited reading your newsletter, Peyton. Um, but I did narrow it down to just one. The city of Denver is launching this new rebate program today for Earth Day. This comes out of the Denver Climate Office and Grace Rink, who I mentioned earlier, and they're offering rebates for for a number of like really uh, expensive. Uh, installations to homes, uh, things like e-bikes. So starting today, anyone in Denver can get a $400 instant rebate for an e-bike purchase and $500 more if it's a cargo e-bike, which means that for a cargo e-bike, like a top-of-the-line cargo e-bike, I looked this up, according to Wired, that costs like $7,000. You can knock $900 off of that. That's a huge discount, thanks to the city of Denver and you know Denver's taxpayers, which I think is incredibly cool. Like for me, that would save that would save a trip in a car every week to the grocery store to use a cargo e bike instead. I, I just think that's the best. I mean, my, uh, it was my wife Megan that told me about this last night. She said that this new rebate program was like. The talk of this one Slack, this local Slack community that she's a part of, the the Turing School of um, Engineering. Oh yeah. So there's a lot of tech workers in Denver on there, and everybody is talking about like what e bike is the best e bike to oh, buy, cool. and, like how oh, best wow. to take advantage of this rebate. So it really does sound like it's it's going to make a difference.
2: Oh, hmm. that's so cool. That have you cool. all
1: ever thought about e bikes? Is that exciting? Oh totally.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: I don't have a regular bike right now so baby steps yeah well it's
0: it's something that cheyenne has wanted for a long time and
3: when you say e-bike you're talking about the ones that are like motorized right yeah that yeah, have yeah, like an yeah. electric motor yeah yeah no yeah. willie's wanted one for a really long time um because he bikes to work regularly and an e-bike would just make it that much easier but um, they're expensive that's the whole idea so yeah, I think that's great
0: and have you ever um, tried riding the the like you can rent e-bikes around the city Mm -hmm. and um, we rented one in like boulder and we're just like messing around on it and those things go fast like you Mm -hmm. barely pedal and you're just like oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. my
1: father-in-law has one it is such a joy to ride yeah and like the accessibility benefits not everybody can ride a regular bike that's true but for older folks Mm -hmm. like an e-bike is a really good option to keep you active
0: yeah yeah Yeah. and way less dangerous than a motorcycle well Mm -hmm. that's great Uh, that's a good one paul okay peyton you're up what's your win yeah
3: so this this isn't um exactly denver but it's something that i thought was really interesting so the vale valley jet center has started using a blend of jet fuel that includes beef fat and that is cutting their carbon output for, for jets by 25%, which what? is huge, because the aviation industry makes up three to 9% of global emissions. And as of today, there's no alternative energy source that we know of that has the power to lift an aircraft. So that it's been really hard for them to try and find alternatives to jet fuel because nothing's powerful enough to power a jet, except mm-hmm. for you know traditional kerosene-based jet fuel. So this blend that they're using is 30% beef fat and then 70% traditional jet fuel. Um, and
1: that's really cool. How bizarre. That is yeah. so
0: random. What a bizarre thing. I, and like, how did they figure that out? Like, were they just experimenting with all kinds of animal fat? Well, what if we put this fat in? Well, let's yeah. try this. There's actually
3: a lot of a lot of things you can do this with. You can do it with like cooking oil. You can do it with like algae. Um, you can do it with really? a lot of different things. They opted for beef fat. Um, which is super interesting. And and part of it is when beef fat burns, the carbon output is still as bad as kerosene, right? So that's because people get confused. They're like, well, once it leaves a jet's engine, it's still putting emissions into the air, right? But the process of getting that fat fuel into the plane produces less carbon than fossil fuel extraction. So it's the process of getting that alternative jet fuel compared oh. so, to fossil fuel extraction.
1: So that's like... That's like comparing like uh, an oil well or like a fracking rig to like a ranch that raises cows.
3: Right. My question is, so they're getting the fat from slaughterhouses. Right. Uh Um, And I mean, I presume the the benefit is that that fat is already there. It would otherwise go to waste. So Hmm. they're taking that fat that's already there and utilizing it as jet fuel. However, my question is slaughterhouses are one of the top polluters of methane Um, and carbon dioxide. I was going to say, while I think it's very, very cool. And I totally intend for this to be a win. Um, it just (laughs) makes me wonder what that relationship is like and what that dynamic is.
1: That's the thing about so many of these climate wins is like, they're all dependent on some sort of business model. Yeah. Like it's all reliant on existing and being sustainable within our right. capitalist system. And there's a mm-hmm.
3: sacrifice that's gonna be made.
0: Yeah, it's give and take no matter what.
3: I mean, it just like with the with the organic waste diversion that we were talking about that Denver's trying to get better of, my other win was gonna be, my other win option was gonna be that Aspen has done such a great job and they're um, moving toward passing this ordinance that would ban all food waste from going into landfills. They want to, over the course of 10 years, make it so all of their restaurants in town have to have a composting system and are not allowed to put food in landfills anymore because that's a big greenhouse gas emitter if you're putting organic waste in landfills. But it is incredibly expensive and it's just, it's really, really complicated. It's a really complicated situation because it's not that, it sounds like an easy thing, but it's really not that simple. And restaurants are really resistant to how they're going to make their business make this work inside of their business model and not lose a crap ton of money. So yeah. it's complicated, it all is, but it, I think what you wanna take away from this is there's all these places that are trying to make that difference.
1: Yeah, it's just like, I think that's, I mean, that's why Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. He's figured out how to make money while fighting climate change. That's what Tesla is. Yeah. I, it's more, I think that's that's the challenge. Like. One of the other wins that I was considering was this carbon offsets company based out of Arvada. But their whole business model is reliant on government subsidies. And if those government subsidies go away, then they have to pursue these other options that are like not actually as good for the climate, for like their goal of reducing carbon emissions. It's more about offsetting, you know, emissions from from major airlines and huge, huge emitters that aren't going to actually stop. They just want someone to say, like, someone on the other side of the world is offsetting our huge Emission problem. Mm -hmm. So they can put
0: that green stamp at the bottom of their website or whatever.
1: Yeah And it's all it's all about just making sure that you can stay in the black but put this you know say you're doing good Yeah, I I don't don't know. It's hard to figure out it is it's
3: so complicated and and the number one thing that I kept seeing is It's like it's so expensive, right? But Mm -hmm. I mean saving the planet is gonna be expensive It's gonna
0: come at a cost right if it was easy. We would have done it. Yeah Well, I think it's just hard when it's like that cost burden is getting shouldered by you know regular people or like small business owners like it's like then that's not really helping like the the real cost burden needs to be shouldered by the millionaires and billionaires and like these huge corporations but if like a small restaurant owner is like gonna have to like really, you know, take on this burden and this expensive effort to compost. It's just like, well, how much of a difference yeah. is that really gonna make?
1: Or, or say a homeowner in Louisville yes. contending with rebuilding right. after the Marshall Fire it, and yes. adhering yeah. to the new green building codes. Oh, you know, is that their, that's their burden just because they live in this place that happened to be susceptible yeah. to a wildfire?
3: Exactly. But this was supposed to be a this win. This is a win. So, down a very zone. So the people who are putting beef fat in their jets because they want to try and make a difference. kudos to you thanks for trying um, we are getting really creative we appreciate that and it's it's very it's very fascinating.
0: All right well uh, I'm gonna round us out with the wins actually it's kind of a, a a yin to your yang Paul with your fail being that Denver is so far behind with our recycling rates and composting rates. My win is is taking an optimistic spin on that and talking about the plan that is in place now to get us up to par, to get us up to those national averages because it's something that, you know, I haven't, like, this seems very robust. This, like, new plan definitely seems like a big deal because it's going to um, require, like, Commercial, like new commercial buildings that are being built, new apartment complexes that are being built, they're gonna have to provide recycling and composting. So I think that will make a big difference, because like we were talking about earlier, maybe the problem is that so many people rent and don't have access to recycling and composting. And like composting in particular, I live in an apartment building downtown, and we want to compost, we would love to, but we have no idea how to do that in a city. Yeah, And that's like another story pitch mm-hmm. that maybe we should do a show on. And it's like, how do you compost in the city when mm-hmm. you're not a homeowner? It seems really challenging. So.
1: I've talked about the dump near my house on the show. Yeah. Part of the dump is a p- place where anyone can go and drop off compost. And I do see sometimes people taking car loads full of food waste down there and take, you know, putting buckets and buckets of this horrible slop <laughs> into these giant dumpsters of even more horrible slop. Oh, God. Um, so I think you can do it. It's just, you know, a horrible a- errand yeah, to he make your it's, car it's disgusting know, for a week. And-
3: it's hard to know where you start. Like you said, Alexander, right. like you want to, but it's also like, uh, who do I have to call? What kind of research do I have to do? How, how do I do it? I just need. A podcast to give me all the answers. Yes, so there you go. We will do maybe that, we will do that like composting in the city episode. Yeah,
0: that that's something that's bugged me, but they're going to the this new plan that the city of Denver is uh enacting like will make that more accessible. And then the other thing that that this new plan will do is um well, they're considering a ban on throwing cardboard into, like, the landfill trash type thing. Like, you have to recycle your cardboard, which I think is really interesting. I don't know how much of a difference that's going to make because I feel like most people are probably recycling cardboard. That but... was my question when I saw that, is I was like, people are
3: throwing their cardboard away? Like, I didn't... Some people, ne- yeah. That's interesting to me. I, I mean, My personal habit has always been to recycle cardboard. Um, I didn't realize that there were people who were throwing away
0: cardboard. So, Denverite said, has a quote from someone. Uh well, according to the plan, it says that it is estimated that 47% of cardboard is sent to the landfill from the residential waste stream and 57% from the commercial waste stream. So, it sounds like a ton of cardboard is going to the landfill That's so and they want weird. to stop that. Yeah. Like I get it. Sometimes I'm holding,
3: you know, a yogurt container and a can and I'm like,
0: "Uh, <laughs> is this recyclable? What is? What isn't?"
3: But like yeah, cardboard's like the easiest thing that to know is that you have one. to
0: recycle. Like, But some- it probably goes back to this, like, well, people don't have recycling, so they just don't Very have any true. other place yes. to put it unless you want to throw all of your cardboard in your car and drive it somewhere to a center and then dump it there. It when is, I first yeah. moved
2: here, it took them a while to bring me a recycle bin. So I did that a oh, couple of times, like drove wow. it down. But oh, I mean, that's just an it's extra... Just- a hassle so yeah
1: you know what megan and i did with our cardboard boxes we had like 30 boxes when we moved into our, our place a couple of years ago we used them as a weed blocker for our yard Oh. so we ripped up a bunch of sod and deconstructed the cardboard boxes and laid them all flat and then covered it up with dirt and so now weeds don't grow through and it's and it's cardboard oh, you know so it's all
3: a great
0: idea
3: yeah
1: that's how about really that for smart. a climate win yeah. yeah bury your cardboard in the yard
0: bury that's just great <laughs> have I your like own that. personal landfill <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> My, oh, the I did neighbors see, love us <laughs> i did see one thing that i was excited about from this program and that is that Increasing recycling and composting pickup to once a week instead of every oh, other week. Oh, yes. Because I often, like, my recycling bin fills up first. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless, like, other people dump stuff in it. But, you know, that's another issue.
0: But. Yeah, that was a problem that we had at our old place when we did have recycling. Like, we just had one of those big bins, and it would fill up so fast. And so then we were just, like, hoarding it in our yeah, kitchen until That until happens to it was us, emptied. too.
3: That's so weird. Yeah, our... Our recycling bin definitely fills up way faster than our trash can. And then, yeah, then we take cardboard boxes
0: and just fill those with recycling. And then our garage uh, is just yes. full of
3: boxes of <laughs> we're, recyclable we're materials. We're all just
0: living amongst our trash and we don't need to. The city of Denver is like, okay, that's great. We will try. Yeah, we will try. Um, all right. Any any other final thoughts about Earth Day? Climate wins and fails?
1: Yes, I do. I would like to hear from our listeners. We've been talking about recycling and how to how to do it in the city, how to be more efficient with your trash. Um, and we want to hear from you all. Uh, leave us a voicemail with your name and neighborhood. If you have tips, if you have tricks of how to recycle, how to compost efficiently in the city, are you burying your cardboard in the yard? <laughs> Where are you putting it?
0: Where are you putting it?
1: Uh, call us at
0: 720-500-5418. I love it. Good call. That's Good Great. call out. All right. That's it. Our producers this week were me, Alexandra McMahon, Paul Caroli, and Lizzie Goldsmith. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter. Bree Davies is our host. Our music is by Los Mochachetes with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at CityCast Denver, and tell a friend about us the next time you see them. You can sign up for our daily newsletter and learn more about us at Denver.CityCast.FM. Have a great weekend, everybody. Go do something nice to Mother Earth.
3: Speaking of trash, our Nuggets team. (laughs) That's good.